We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 203 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, the day on which the practice week begins for the 6-6 six and six Washington football team for this Sunday afternoon's mega showdown with the 8-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at 1. Dallas week started a few days ago, but Dallas week truly gets cranked up on this Wednesday. It is nice to have a big game for our football team to be getting excited about, isn't it? We thought at 2-6 and six that the season was essentially over from a postseason contending standpoint. The four-game winning streak has changed everything, and there is a monster opportunity for Washington on Sunday. Oh, by the way, did you know this? A Washington win would give Washington its first three-game winning streak against the Cowboys since winning four straight against the Cowboys from 1986 to 1988. I mean, a three-game winning streak in a division rivalry in the NFL isn't that big of a deal. And yet Washington hasn't had a three-game winning streak against the Cowboys since the 1980s, since Ronald Reagan was president. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I have not one, but two very special guests for you on the show. I will talk Washington football team, including Dallas Week with the DOC. Yes, my former tag team partner on radio, the former Washington tight end, Rick Doc Walker. Few people get fired up for Dallas Week like Doc does. Trust me, if you are a Washington football team fan, you do not want to miss our conversation. Doc, by the way, is the host of his own podcast, the Doc Walker 
podcast. Also, I will talk Maryland basketball, including the departure of Mark Turgeon as head coach with the man who Turgeon succeeded as Terrapins head coach, two-time Hall of Famer Gary Williams. You know, there are people suggesting that Gary should come back and be Maryland's head coach. We will talk about that. We will talk about why Turgeon stepped down. We will talk about whether Turgeon was actually fired and a lot more. Nobody better to talk about this Turgeon ordeal than Gary Williams. And Gary, by the way, is the co-host of his own podcast, the DC Coaches Basketball Podcast. Uh, I will address the Washington football team news from Tuesday. Uh, Next segment, I'll discuss the news that Ryan Fitzpatrick reportedly was to be undergoing right hip surgery. He, according to the Washington Post, underwent the surgery on Tuesday. Would this Washington football team season be appreciably different, be better, be worse, had Fitzpatrick stayed healthy and been Washington's starting quarterback as he was supposed to be? Uh, I'll also discuss the state of Washington at linebacker, off the team on Tuesday, putting Kalik Hudson on the reserve injured list. And we got to get into what happened with Virginia basketball on Tuesday night. Wah-hoo-wah, the Cavaliers losing at James Madison, 52-49. First, the Cavs lost at home to Navy in the Cavs season opener. Now the Cavs have lost at James Madison. UVA's three-point shooting is a problem. UVA's three-point shooting is Maryland-esque so far this season. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. More feedback on this issue of me saying the episode number at the beginning of each show. Uh, this off the suggestion that I retire doing that from the great Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium. Tweet from Wizkins. Keep the episode number. Tweet from Mind After Math PhD. Keep the episode numbers for reference, but also because other podcasts confuse me. And I often will listen to the previous day's pod and miss the current day. Yeah, just to be clear, what Ambassador Gutman suggested wasn't doing away with the episode numbers. It was doing away with me saying the episode number for each show at the start of each show. That is what is at issue here. Email from Jeff Marshall. I'm a 201 episode listener of your pod. I appreciate the great depth, insight, and excellent analysis you bring to our favorite teams. I agree with many of your opinions, and you are not lacking in that category. But even when I don't agree with you, I appreciate your perspective. You absolutely must keep your episode number intro to your show. I grew up a great fan of various radio shows. One of my favorites was Paul Harvey News. In a strange way, you and he share similar skills and traits. He was meticulous in his approach, continuity and consistency, and had a style that was unique and never replicated. For decades, he never wavered from his opening line, hello, Americans, this is Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. So keep doing what you're doing. On another football team podcast, I am sometimes jokingly referred to as timestamp guy because I tweet at the host of that pod to give us the dadgum time of the podcast. If they do remember to, it's well into the show. So with the Al Galdi podcast, I never have to wonder what podcast it is or when it was recorded in addition to all the aforementioned qualities of the pod. The intro must remain as is. Well, thank you for that very nice email, Jeff. 
Much appreciated. Yeah, the feedback for now is in favor of continuing the tradition of proclaiming the episode number at the start of each show. Like the tradition that now is a hero for the Washington football team throwing a stone at the whiteboard in the locker room after a victory. You know, proclaiming the episode number at the start of each show is a tradition too. You know, maybe Ron Rivera should add that to his saying that he keeps saying. You know the saying that Ron keeps saying? For every question, there's an answer. For every problem, there's a solution. For every Goliath, there's a David. For every giant, there's a stone. That's Ron Rivera's mantra for this 2021 Washington football team season. Maybe we can add this line to that mantra. (laughs) For every episode of the Al Galdi podcast, there's an episode number. How does that sound tacked on to the end of Ron Rivera's favorite saying? For every question, there's an answer. For every problem, there's a solution. For every Goliath, there's a David. For every giant, there's a stone. For every episode of the Al Galdi podcast, there's an episode number. I mean, to me, that just flows so well. I don't know about you. Uh, Email from Peter in Springfield, Virginia, aka the Boricua, uh, on the Washington football team and also on the episode number debate, writes Peter, during week three, Ron Rivera praised the Buffalo Bills. Media and fans were wondering if the Buffalo rebuild was the template for the WFT. In my opinion, we are closer to the Tennessee Titans than we are to Buffalo, and expecting Taylor Heineke to perform at the level of Ryan Tannehill is not that crazy. We need to stop comparing Heineke to top 10 quarterbacks and be honest and fair about quarterback availability, how hard it is to find a quarterback, and the different ways that we can be a proud winning franchise. Performing like the Tennessee Titans for the next three years would be a win for me, as would be to keep looking for a long-term quarterback without mortgaging the future. Now to the episode numbers. I enjoy the episode number and the reference to players and other historical references each day, so I propose to reset the counting with the calendar year. This will create data for stats in the future, and we can start a fantasy league at the beginning of the year. Well done, Peter. I like how you think. Uh, I also like your Titans comparison. I think that that makes sense, especially if Washington's defense now has been fixed and the defense now truly is legit. You see, none of what is happening right now with this four-game winning streak would be happening without the defense playing so much better. In a lot of ways, that's where all of this starts. The formula for this season, right, was supposed to feature the defense being really good. The defense during the two and six start was really bad. The defense during this four-game winning streak has been really good. Which defense is the reality? Because if the latter is the reality, then yeah, that Titans comparison works quite nicely. Well, we always hope that things are going quite nicely in your life, but we know that it's not always the case that things are going quite nicely in your life. Bad things do happen, and I want to let you know about a law firm that is ready to represent you if you've been wronged. Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and Nace are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is a family law firm. The Naces are DMV through and through, big Washington football team fans. Paulson and Nace has decades of experience trying cases to jury verdicts and fighting for those injured through no fault of their own. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers and has just tried two cases 
in D.C. I have known the Naces for 25 plus years. These are good people, smart people who are excellent at what they do. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. It's real simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours. All right. The first of our two special guests on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast, Doc Walker, is coming up next segment as we'll go in-depth on the 6-6 six and six Washington football team in preparation for Sunday afternoon's huge game against the 8-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field. But right now, I do want to address some Washington football team news from Tuesday. Uh, we on Tuesday had multiple reports that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his right hip. And according to the Washington Post, Fitzpatrick underwent that surgery on Tuesday. So his season, which already was essentially done, now is done-done. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a.k.a. Fitzmagic. Remember him? Uh, He was supposed to be Washington's starting quarterback this season, but things went awry. Uh, Fitzpatrick, of course, got hurt in week one. Uh, He suffered a right hip subluxation and the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one. Washington put Fitzpatrick on the reserve injured list on September 14th, and that's where he remains. Uh, Now, as you may recall, Fitzpatrick could have undergone surgery in September, but he did not undergo surgery in September. We, on September 16th, had multiple reports that Fitzpatrick would not be undergoing surgery and instead would be rehabbing the hip. Presumably, rehabbing the hip uh, allowed for a quicker return for Fitzpatrick from the injury. The belief was that he would be out around eight weeks, putting his return at some point in November. But the hip has not healed well enough. Ron Rivera, in a post-practice press conference on November 10th, said, that a recent MRI exam on Fitzpatrick's right hip had shown some progress, but not much. And we, on November 14th, had multiple reports that Fitzpatrick was not expected to play again this season. So this news on Tuesday that Fitzpatrick will be undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his right hip was not a shocker, but the news does raise a few points. So first of all, I do feel bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, He was supposed to be Washington's QB1 for this season. He was signed to be Washington's QB1 for this season. Washington in March signed Fitzpatrick as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year $10 million contract. Uh, He's just fine financially, okay? You don't need to set up a GoFundMe for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but this was a real opportunity for him as an NFL quarterback, and his season ended up ending in week one. Also, you do have to wonder if his career may be over. You know, Fitzpatrick is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. The 2022 season would be his age 40 season, and he's undergoing this right hip surgery in December. 
So his availability for the 2022 season is in at least some doubt. Is he going to even want to play again off how tedious his recovery from this right hip subluxation has been? And even if he does want to play again, is any team going to want to spend salary cap space on a quarterback in his age 40 season coming off a serious right hip injury? Uh, Maybe, but that's far from a guarantee. I was excited to see how Ryan Fitzpatrick would do as Washington's starting quarterback this season. We talked a lot about Fitzpatrick on the podcast in the months leading up to Washington's 2021 season. He was coming off having played the best football of his career. The lazy narrative was the narrative of, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all he does is throw interceptions. He bounces from team to team. He's not very good. Ryan Fitzpatrick in recent seasons had been quite good. Ryan Fitzpatrick finished the 2020 regular season number five among 33 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL and ESPN's total QBR at 70.9. Yes, number five. Fitzpatrick finished the 2019 regular season number eight among 30 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL and ESPN's total QBR at 68.3. So Ryan Fitzpatrick entering this season had finished in the top eight in the NFL in total QBR in each of the previous two regular seasons. Also, Fitzpatrick finished the 2018 regular season number one among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in yards per pass attempt at 9.6. Also, Ryan Fitzpatrick's three highest graded regular seasons for Pro Football Focus had been his three most recent seasons prior to signing with Washington. 2018, overall grade per PFF of 83.9. 2019, overall grade per PFF of 76.5. 2020, overall grade per PFF of 75.1. So there was reason to be optimistic regarding Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's QB1. Uh, He is a smart, savvy veteran quarterback who teammates love and who is an unapologetic deep thrower of the football. There was an excitement with Ryan Fitzpatrick said to be Washington's QB1. But here's what is so funny, slash ironic, slash poetic, slash appropriate, slash whatever you want to say. The guy who has ended up being Washington's QB1 this season, Taylor Heineke, has been Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque in terms of Heineke's style of play, and you could argue has been better than Fitzpatrick would have been. Now, we'll obviously never know how well Fitzpatrick would have done as Washington's QB1 this season. Maybe Fitzpatrick would have been outstanding. You know, maybe Fitzpatrick would have played at an all-pro level. But if you're being realistic, how realistic is it that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be doing better than Taylor Heineke? is doing this season. I mean, are you aware of some of the statistical rankings for Taylor Heineke and Washington right now? Taylor Heineke during Washington's four-game winning streak has completed 92 of his 119 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 77.31. Taylor Heineke through week 13 is number nine among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in completion percentage at 67.94. Yes, Taylor Heineke, who according to the Taylor Heineke deniers, the Taylor Heineke haters, the Tay-Tay haters, the Taters is terribly inaccurate. Yeah, (laughs) that same Taylor Heineke 
through 12 games this season, not a tiny sample size, is number nine among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in completion percentage at 67.94. But it's not just that. Taylor Heineke through week 13 is number 17 among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR at 50.1. Okay, 17th isn't some spectacular ranking, but you know, that's not an awful ranking either. That is knocking on the door of being in the top 15 in the NFL and what is to me the best stat for quarterbacks. Uh, Taylor Heineke through week 13 is number 13 among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in Football Outsiders DYAR metric. DYAR stands for Defense Adjusted Yards Above Replacement. Uh, DYAR is similar to wins above replacement, war in baseball. Uh, And then there's this. The Washington football team through week 13 is number 11 in the NFL in passing offense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Yeah, Washington has the 11th best passing offense in the NFL this season for DVOA, which stands for defense adjusted value over average and factors in context, which is why I like to use DVOA. Taylor Heineke is quarterbacking the 11th best passing offense in the NFL this season for DVOA. And a big part of why Washington is up to 11th in the NFL in passing offense per DVOA is what Washington is doing on third downs. Washington, during its four-game winning streak, is 29 of 58, 50% on third downs. Uh, Washington, during its 2-6 and six start to the season, went just 34 of 98 on third downs, 34.69%. But Washington has been elite offensively on third downs during this four-game winning streak, just as Washington has been elite defensively on third downs during this four-game winning streak. So I was researching all of this and looking at all of this, and I said to myself, yeah, it would have been interesting to see Ryan Fitzpatrick as Washington's QB1 this season, but honestly, would he have been better than what Taylor Heineke has ended up being this season, at least so far? I mean, there are five games left in Washington's regular season. We'll see what ends up transpiring. But to me, this question of would Ryan Fitzpatrick have been better than what Taylor Heineke has ended up being this season, you can't say yes to that with any real certainty. I mean, if you want to say yes to that, you can. There is a case to be made for saying yes. But the yes that you say isn't a strong yes. It's a eh, yes, as opposed to yes. You know what I mean? There ain't going to be no bass in your voice when you're saying yes to that question if you're being truthful about things. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been better than what Taylor Heineke has been so far this season. We'll never know. But what we do know is that Taylor Heineke is doing a really nice job. A little later in the show, I'll get to some other news for the Washington football team on Tuesday. But up next, I'm talking Washington football team with former Washington tight end Super Bowl 17 champion, my former tag team partner on radio, Rick Doc Walker. Few people embrace Dallas Week like Doc does. We'll get to the DOC after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So, it is Dallas Week. And it's one of the bigger Dallas Weeks that we've had in years. The 6-6 six and six Washington football team will face the 8-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. And so I am very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast a man for whom Dallas Week means so much. He is a Super Bowl 17 champion. He is a two-time NFC champion. He is a Rose Bowl champion for the 1975 season. He is my former tag team partner. He is the DOC, Doc Walker, who is the host of his own podcast, the Doc Walker Podcast. And he is here to do what he does so well, and that is talk X's and O's. Burgundy and gold, my brother. <laughs> hey, man, this uh, will bring us together. We're, we're never apart. We're always together. But in this sense, because a month ago, we were both laughing about the fact that you can't, I cannot believe we're, we're having another crappy season. And then the last four weeks, we've been blessed by the gods. And it's not fake. These guys are getting it done the old-fashioned way. Ground and pound, play just great defense, get after people, special teams. Some weeks, we don't even have a kicker. <laughs> and then we get a guy, and he makes a game winner, and he's a local kid. So for whatever reason... Galdi, the karma, which usually gives us the finger as a franchise, is smiling upon us. It really is something, and this is our football team's thing, right? Start off poorly and then rally in November and December, but you appreciate Dallas Week maybe better than anybody. When you think of Dallas Week, when you hear that phrase, Dallas Week, what comes to mind? What thoughts go through your head? Are me driving down... Connecticut Avenue um, and seeing banners. I used to tell my friends in LA, hey man, this place is collegiate about it with a pro team. This is not like the Rams, you know, because the Rams were my home team. 
they were lukewarm on them. They're high. The Raiders are. Uh, I mean, they they're everybody's affectionate uh, puppy. But we had that. This was different. This area. If you talk about rabid fans. We had no Democrats or Republicans or blacks or whites, Hispanics, or Asians. We had one thing, and that's Burgundy Gold. So we united upon something which is rare, especially in this town. It's rare in the country. And then, you know, we weren't the best group of guys. We weren't the most talented team, but we were the best team. And I think this team now is evolving in some similar areas of this with us because you lost your trophy to trophies. And yet the defense is not just because of two guys, but they're playing us they're playing assignment football. And they're doing their job. You know, and it's just it's hard to describe, but you get it. Because we've seen it, the Orioles have done it, the Nats have done it, the Capitals have done it. The Wizards started off this year with it. It's that thing we go, oh my God, they're playing defense. They're going after loose balls. They're 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 just doing all the little things, and it's working. So you mentioned the trophies, uh, i.e., Chase Young and Montez Sweat. It is impossible to ignore that Washington's four best defensive games this season, unequivocally have been these four games in which Montez Sweat has not played at all due to his fractured jaw and in which Chase Young has essentially missed three and a half of the four games uh, due to his torn ACL. What does it say to you that this is the case, that Washington's defense this season has been at the defense's best without Montez Sweat and Chase Young? Well, because, you, and you understand this, because you understand Galdinomics. If you're a yard off where I expect you to be in terms of paying, uh, covering a gap, that's the difference between a tackle for a loss or a guy that spurts through and gets 12. You know, it's, we talk about in sports, and you do this better than anybody I know on earth, well, you and one in terms of understanding percentages, analytics, how shifting in baseball now. Well, in football, if you run upfield and run yourself out of the play, you leave a void. Now, your effort is great. Their effort is fantastic. But it's not the assignment of the defense. If you're supposed to squeeze a gap and and you widen it, we got a problem. If you go inside, but I needed you to go to outside, we got a problem. And so you very seldom hear about it. But we played with a guy who, and Dexter Manley, is one of the best players I've ever seen, ever played with. And they had to counter. They didn't always know where Dex was going. But he played by two with two high IQ guys, one from Rice University graduate, the other Penn State graduate, and Daryl Grant and Rich Malott. And because they could do it on the move, they didn't care what he did. They just went where he went, where he wasn't. And it worked. But you can't do that on both sides. And you can't do it with young players. So I just think, whether they admit it or not, what Ron's been telling you, which I didn't agree with, he's been, you don't criticize your players publicly to me, or nationally, 
Why would you give it up? That's frustration. So I sense that there was a lack of communication with these guys. And the fact that both of them are non-vac, yeah, I'm throwing it in there because it does matter to me. Your coach had, his immune system is shot. And you guys don't get vaccinated? I didn't get that. I got a problem with that. That ain't team to me. So I think both guys are highly talented, but we've been talented before and not won. I don't care how talented you are. I need to win with you. If I can't win with you, then I don't need you. And it's a clear example, not just those two guys, but the whole unit that is not playing together. This back end is now competent. Not having as many blown coverages. People are where they're supposed to be. I got to be able to trust you on defense, even more so on offense. I got to be able to trust you. Can't trust you, can't use you. And then you get 26 in the box now. The Buffalo Nickel guy, he's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But you don't call him a linebacker. No, no, please. Yeah. See, yeah. I'd have changed his damn number. I'd have given him a 50s number. I'm paying you $13, $14 million. We're going to do this together. Not your way or not just my way. We got to do it together. And that was the problem with these guys a month ago. Now it's not. You, you're really looking at something. Ismail at center. Uh, Schweitzer, who I adore, bouncing around murdering people. Uh, you know how I feel about 79. Flowers. Adore him. And he's an animal. Played hurt, didn't practice, comes out and play. My the two tackles that Chicago didn't want. We'll take them. Yep. They're the worst team in football. So those guys, Chicago did them a favor. So they get out of that cesspool and they're over here now and you're playing the Raiders' strength, which is pressure. How'd that work out for them? So I can go on and on and on with these success stories. About people, not ego, not me, me, me guys, but we guys, team guys that we have now. And then Turner decided to put his uh, aspirations of getting another job aside and took what they gave him. And he's pounding that rock. And it's just a beautiful thing to see now that we're into the run game. And uh, it's because it's about winning. I don't give a damn if they they can throw it a hundred times in a row as long as we win. But if we're not going to win, then I'm not into it. Now we're doing what it takes to win. We uh, we own time of possession, and we're savaged on third down. You mentioned the running game, which I know you love. Uh, Antonio Gibson is being fed so much during this four game winning streak. Antonio Gibson during the four game winning streak has totaled ninety. Five carries. I don't know that we knew that he could be the workhorse running back that he has been during this four-game winning streak. But Doc Antonio Gibson is proving himself to be a workhorse running back. Agreed. I didn't know. <clears throat> I thought we were trying to get a patent on a new formula of converting wide receivers to running backs. <laughs> I didn't know anybody cared. You know, I never got that. To me, it's just so, so bizarre. But I tell you what, got to give him credit. It worked. Because this dude is, I mean, I love 41. Now, I'm a 41 guy. Um, 
think, and only because 24, he, he can't fumble. I, you, you can't play for me if you fumble, and you can't play for me if you throw interceptions. And so the two guys that are really maybe the most productive two guys, when they don't give it away, they're hard to beat. And they're growing. And they're young. So it's one of those things where you look at this month and you go, what could stop it? Nothing but injury. Because, you know, Gaudi, look at the teams that you grew up with, with and I know your affection <clears throat> for the birds with Palmer when they were really good. It is amazing. Um, yeah, they had great players. Cal, Eddie, he, he, all good teams that are really good to win a lot have exceptional talents, and that's what emerges. You know who I gave the game ball to in, in uh, Las Vegas? Who was that? My game ball went to Terry McLaurin. I haven't seen a guy triple team in so long. In the They had three people on him. Hell, if we can't win and you putting three on one, we need our ass kicked. He drew triple coverage. So Carter, Sims, all the boys now is taking candy from a baby. And they did it. And they made plays. I mean, Heineke, I mean, and I know Sabal is just, she hadn't slept properly since the game. <laughs> the guy, his escapability reminds me of Fran Tarkin. I got, I'm old enough to have seen Fran. Now his playmaking ability and <clears throat> give Bates. Bates seems to be, and I love the, the baby from Boise. <clears throat> Not only is he playing well as a rookie, he's making plays with his hands and legs. This guy's made a couple throws out that you can't write up, you can't draw it up. Yeah. You either got you either can do that. See, if it's Mahomes, we go, oh, my God. You know, if, if it's my boy in, 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 in Baltimore, but you don't, Heineken got a little of that. He's got a little of that, too. I mean, yeah, he may be a poor man's whatever, but he's still getting the job done. Now, I can't tell you why that guy dropped the pick six. I'm just glad he did for the Raiders. At the end, the ball got might have got tipped, might got away from him. He's high that he's got to control, and you know now that he loses eighty two, part of eighty and for, he's a you know what you know I loved eighty six when he was here for us. Reed, yeah, for your hip for the hip impaired. Um, but this guy, I almost cried when I found out he was on. Uh, I love this dude. Man, he's converted. He's, he's he's made himself. He blocks. He catches. He runs. He's a beast. And now we'll be without him, just like with Trey. Two beasts, gone. And I call it fertilizer for the future, for 2022. And because I expect to be good, I expect us to be better and close this thing out. Who knows? You and I have battled all the way in December. It's about, should we win? Because <laughs> 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 I was thinking, I said, Golly and I, our Decembers are like, well, why, why should we win? And you made great points. And they're all valid. And you, and you were right. 
you were right. I mean, it's like I wanted to win, but we lost and we got Chase. And I'm glad we have Chase. I think Chase is going to be – he's going to be a legendary player here if he can adjust in the offseason and be coached. If, he's gonna allow, if he allows him to coach him, he's going to be a monster because he's got all the intangibles. He's got everything else. But you can't freelance in this because they don't give a damn about you. No. That guy from Tampa Bay swallowed him. You know, they're talking about doubling. Nobody doubling him. That the dude from Tampa wasn't doubling him. And he's got to make you double him. See, Terry McLaurin, he demanded. The Raiders put three guys on him. That's a badass. Okay, you run upfield and all that. No, nobody. That, that's the people that don't understand the game. You may fool them, but you ain't fool nobody in the, in the league. They know. They know. Montez Sweat. There's nobody on their team, in my opinion, that has more talent than him. He's unlimited. It's, I don't even know where his ceiling is. But he got to make up his mind he's going to do it. And he's got the ability to do it. We'll find out if he does. He's coming back. He's coming back. I ain't never seen this boy. His ceiling is unbelievable. But we need to see it in real time. And it's got to work within the framework of the defense. And if they do that, I'll take them. If not, I don't. I don't. I don't be. I'm not, I'm not bowing down to anybody. But with two wins, amazing. You know, we make everybody here Hall of Famers. We make them everything here. We, but but they don't prove to be worthy of it because they're not in the postseason. Our heroes are created in the postseason. Okay, Riggles run. That didn't happen against the Tampa in a regular season game. He broke that in Super Bowl 17. That's where the poster comes from. You don't get a poster playing somebody in September. What do you think it is that we're seeing right now? Is this some cute little story that ultimately doesn't go anywhere? Or are we seeing the rise of a legitimate starting quarterback for Washington? Al? That's on him. But he's got the ability to do it and control it. I didn't see this a month ago. I knew he deserved to be in the league, and we called him a backup. And you know what he's doing now? He's giving you the finger. He said, I'll show you what your backup is. Yeah. Because he's proven it. You can't talk your way into it. You got to play your way into it. And tell you what, <laughs> he's doing it. Now, he talks about Brett Favre, and that's the problem. I can talk about Sidney Poitier, and I'm not going to get an Oscar, okay? <laughs> that's not going to happen because I don't have his skills. What this kid needs to do is doing what he's doing, just be himself and make plays and get better. He's improved this month. He's got to get even better because he's got to bring the ball down. You can't you, because the hot that you gotta bring the ball down, and that's just mechanical, which he can fix. And he's proven to you that the moment's never too big for him. What would we give for that? I've been on that sidelines for many, many years and seen a lot of quarterbacks that were blind as a bat. He he knows where people are. He knows where people are. 
and he can get out of out of trouble in a way that I haven't seen anybody do that in a long time. You can't make that up. In the, the rare occasion that we miss a block, every once in a while, he he it doesn't kill you. I wish he used his legs even more. I could strangle him for sliding too soon in Green Bay, and even last week, I think he could have scored. He slide, he slide too damn much for me. I mean, I need him to keep being, but he's he's not sliding because he's scared. He's just sliding to preserve himself and just keep coming. So no, no, I I because see, I'm never, I don't give a damn who plays. I just want the guy who's in there to win. Win. I got one rule. You have to win. It ain't personal to me. I don't give a damn how size you are, black, white. I don't care about none of that. I need you to win. We've already sent people to fake Canton, Ohio in this program for doing things, everything but winning. So now it's very simple for me. I never get personal with it. Did we win? It's about, did we win the game? We win the game? Hell, I can deal with everything else. And this kid now is proving that he can win. You can win with him. And I don't know about you, but that's only the only reason I'm in this is to win it. And I think we got a chance to do it. He's got to keep getting better. So do the rest of them. Washington's offensive line coach, John Matsko, is doing an outstanding job. I've talked about him on the podcast. You know, it's interesting with Matsko, his first offensive line coaching job in the NFL was with the Phoenix Cardinals in the 1992 and 1993 seasons. The Cardinals head coach at the time was Joe Bugle, the greatest offensive line coach in Washington history and maybe in NFL history. Matsko, to me, is Washington's best offensive line coach since Bugle. You are a man who appreciates and understands offensive line play so much. I know you love what we're seeing with this Washington offensive line overcoming so many injuries and playing so well this season. And Horner, don't forget, and the tight ends as well, because they're interlocked. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to block. The Titans have to block in order for the line to sustain itself and get the credit it deserves. And the backs have to block in order for it to work. One of them has to be a chip guy, a a blocking guy, and it all works into it. They use, see, I've always felt around this program, they treat blocking like it's a bad word. Because they're so superior around here that they don't think they have to block. Because the culture that was been here for the two decades, it's not about winning. It's about performance and it's about publicity. So what I'm saying is that I keep it real, real standard. Let's make the objective to win the game. And then we can just decide how we're going to win it. But it's got to be to win it. So if we have to block and run to win, let's block and run. These guys are selfless. You know I love Big Nasty, 75 in your program, okay? And I I love a man to get paid. I'm not a hater. But if you say you want $18 you got to play up to it. And I don't have a problem giving it to you because it ain't my money. But I don't want to hear about what people are worth 
that have not won a playoff game. That's how culture. See, Ron talks a lot about culture. So do I. My culture is winning. So anybody that puts a dollar amount on their performance and then is subpar would be on a Greyhound bus. Because these guys are showing you. They disrespected Flowers and we lost him. Thank God we got him back. And so if you look at Leno and these guys, what these guys are doing at tackle, and I like the kid from Texas Cosby. I like him. You know why? He'll stick his face in there. He's physical. He's nasty. I love him. But he's been absent. The best ability is availability. So you're not going to Canton not playing. So when these guys are out, for whatever reason, their backups don't play like backups. They pay attention to meetings. Their coach is phenomenal. I have not seen anybody with poor technique that works for him. They might get beaten. Everybody gets beaten. But they don't get beaten like a bongo drum. It's not It's not succession. These dudes, man, I love them to death. Al, I, I know you take as much joy in seeing a shift in baseball or, you know, I, and I understand your passion for hockey, but I am, I'm living like in a, in a festival of joy watching these guys maul people because, you know, we've talked over the years. It's much better or easier for me to go forward than backwards. Yeah. I'm not an empty backfield guy on third and one. Or goal line. I'm sorry. I know a lot of you millennials love it and you think it's chic. I think it's horse manure. So now that we've gotten out of that crap, we are playing football again. So that's why I love John Harbaugh. I'm a fullback guy. We don't necessarily have that yet, but I can see it in the future. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Washington last Thursday signed a fullback to the practice squad. Uh, Alex Orma is now on Washington's practice squad. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. (laughs) You don't miss anything. Yeah. They do have one on the practice squad, so we'll see. Uh, If only you knew that. Only you would know that. Yeah, that's I love you. Well, my friend, huge game on Sunday, Washington versus Dallas. We hope the winning streak gets to five. We hope the record gets to seven and six. Uh, Please give Dan and Tanya my best and all the best to you. (laughs) I tell you what, if you don't subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast, you guys, you absolutely, you're depriving yourself. You know what you should want for Christmas? Just to subscribe to Al Galdi's podcast. Do that for me. Do that for the DOC. My brother, I love you. And uh, when you need me, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just always here waiting for you to call. I appreciate it. And for those listening, subscribe to the Doc Walker podcast. Doc, Steve Solomon, do an outstanding job. Disclaimer. Put the disclaimer there. I'm not for everybody. I'm like <laughs> the right. Surgeon General. That's right. See, don't step in there with, with me unless you're ready for combat. That's right. As you said many years ago, you come strong to the mic or you don't come at all. It's very oh, don't come at, Exactly. Absolutely. We're not for everybody. That's why I love subscription now, because they can't get it free. You don't get gas free either. I would like to say that to people who ask me, why you got to pay? Because how did you get Netflix free? Do you get ESPN for free? 
I'm I'm pissed off at myself. I should have never been free. <laughs> I hope to talk to you again, brother, before the playoffs. Absolutely, my friend. Happy it's holidays. Better. Thank you. you got it. Happy holidays. Bye bye. It was great to catch up with Doc Walker, the second of my two special guests on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The greatest head coach in Maryland basketball history, Gary Williams, is coming up next segment to talk about the stunning resignation of Mark Turgeon as Terrapins head coach and what now for the Terps this season. But before we get to Gary, uh, I do want to hit on another Washington football team news item from Tuesday. So I earlier in the show discussed the news on Tuesday that Ryan Fitzpatrick reportedly will be undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his right hip. Also on Tuesday was Washington placing Kalik Hudson on the reserve injured list. Uh, This due to a sprained ankle that Kalik suffered in the 17-15 win at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Uh, Washington on Tuesday as a corresponding roster move to putting Kalik Hudson on injured reserve signed linebacker Milo Eifler off the Miami Dolphins practice squad. So Kalik Hudson is out for at least three weeks. Uh, He in the win at the Raiders played on 17% of Washington's defensive snaps, but Kalik Hudson this season really hasn't played much on defense, has been a key special teams player. Uh, Kalik Hudson this season has played in all 12 of Washington's games. He has played, though, on just 3.04% of Washington's defensive snaps, but he is number three on Washington in special team snaps at 81.91%. Kalik in the 2020 regular season, his rookie season, played in all 16 games. He played on just 4.88% of Washington's defensive snaps, but did play on a team-high 81.96% of Washington special team snaps. Washington took Kalik Hudson in the fifth round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of Michigan. The pick that Washington used to take Kalik Hudson was the pick that Washington acquired from the Seattle Seahawks for Quinton Dunbar in that trade in March 2020. So Kalik Hudson is what Washington ultimately got via trade for Quinton Dunbar. Uh, But the takeaway with Kalik Hudson going on injured reserve is that a thin Washington linebacking core now is even thinner. Uh, Washington does still have its top linebacker, Cole Holcomb. And by the way, Cole Holcomb has been a warrior for Washington this season. Cole Holcomb this season has played on every Washington defensive snap in 11 of the 12 games. The only game in which Cole Holcomb has not played on every Washington defensive snap was the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. He in that game played on 83% of Washington's defensive snaps due to dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, Washington at linebacker does also have its 2021 first round pick, Jamin Davis. Jamin in the win at the Raiders played on 90% of Washington's defensive snaps, but Jamin Davis's playing time percentages have been all over the place this season. Here are Jamin Davis's playing time percentages over Washington's last eight games. 23, 56, 98, 79, 56, 65, 51, and 90. A lot of variance there. He's playing, but some games he plays a lot. Some games he plays eh, kind of a so-so amount. Uh, And of course, Washington does have Landon Collins in terms of linebackers, although we all know he doesn't like being called a linebacker, so do not call Landon Collins a linebacker. Uh, Call him a Buffalo nickel. 
Call him a drop-down safety. Call him a hybrid safety linebacker. Just don't call him a linebacker, okay? That hurts his feelings, as we know. Uh, Landon was inactive for the win at the Raiders due to a foot injury. That's why we saw a good bit of Khalid Hudson in that game. We'll see what Landon's practice status is on Wednesday with Washington beginning its practice week for this Sunday afternoon's game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at one. Uh, Washington also has linebackers in David Mayo and Jordan Kanashik, uh, two former Carolina Panthers, two certified members of the Carolina Mafia on Washington, but those guys mostly play on special teams like Khalid Hudson. Uh, David Mayo actually leads Washington in special team snaps this season. Speaking of Washington special teams aces, and also speaking of Washington defense, I do want to give props to DeShazer Everett. Uh, DeShazer Everett has been playing a bunch on special teams this season, as has been the case for him with Washington for years. Uh, DeShazer Everett is number two on Washington in special team snaps this season. But DeShazer Everett had not played on a single defensive snap this season until the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12. DeShazer in that game played on a grand total of four of Washington's defensive snaps. But DeShazer Everett in the win at the Raiders played on 44% of Washington's defensive snaps. So he was a part of the great job that Washington did in that game against the Raiders passing game. Remember, it was DeShazer Everett who replaced Troy Apke as Washington starting free safety last season, beginning with the loss at the New York Giants in week six. DeShazer started four consecutive games, then missed two straight games due to an ankle injury, then started the next two games, and then was placed on the reserve injured list last December 17th due to a chest injury that he suffered in the win over the San Francisco 49ers in Arizona in week 14. But DeShazer Everett last season helped to stabilize Washington's back end. And DeShazer Everett in the win at the Raiders did a nice job in his first extended playing time on defense this season. The DeShazer Everett story really is something else. He entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Texas A&M with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in May 2015. Washington signed him on August 1st, 2015. Washington has waived DeShazer Everett. Washington has practice squatted DeShazer Everett. Washington has changed DeShazer Everett's position. The team moved him from corner to safety prior to the 2016 season. But DeShazer Everett has survived. This is DeShazer Everett's seventh season with Washington. He's one of the longest tenured players on the team. Uh, He and another Washington defensive back who entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent corner, Danny Johnson, are being leaned on in Washington's secondary. Danny Johnson in the win at the Raiders played on 54% of Washington's defensive snaps. Danny Johnson has been playing a decent amount really since the loss at the Green Bay Packers in week seven. Uh, This off Johnson having not played on a single defensive snap for Washington last regular season and last postseason. You know, Cameron Curl and Bobby McCain clearly are Washington's top two safeties. William Jackson III and Kendall Fuller clearly are Washington's top two corners, but DeShazer Everett at safety and Danny Johnson at corner have been contributors for Washington's improved secondary in recent games. All right, so we this past Friday afternoon had the stunner with Maryland basketball. Uh, Maryland announcing that Mark Turgeon, quote, in a mutual decision, end quote, was stepping down as head coach 
For the Maryland men's basketball program, the announcement coming just two days before the Terrapins' Big Ten opener, which ended up being a 67-61 loss to Northwestern at Xfinity Center in College Park on Sunday afternoon in the debut of Danny Manning as Terps interim head coach. The Terps' next game isn't until this Sunday afternoon when they'll face number 20 Florida in Brooklyn at 4.30 in the basketball Hall of Fame Invitational. There is a lot to sort through with all of this, and so who better to talk to than the man whom Mark Turgeon succeeded as Maryland head coach, Gary Williams. He is the winningest coach in Maryland basketball history. He is a member of both the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame and the College Basketball Hall of Fame, because why make one Hall of Fame when you can make two? Uh, Andy is the co-host of his own podcast, the DC Coaches Basketball Podcast. Gary Williams is on the Al Galdi podcast. Coach, it's great to talk to you. How are you? Al, always glad to talk with you. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, Before we get to Mark Turgeon, so Len Bias, as you know, was just inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He was inducted on November 21st, and I was reading about that. Bias became just the fourth Terrapin to be represented in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. You, Lefty Drizel, and Tom McMillan are the other three. How are there only four Terps in the College Basketball Hall of Fame? Like, how is Juan Dixon not in the College Basketball Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah, I look at Juan Dixon, um, you know, and he played a little later than Juan, but uh, Gravis Vasquez for his career and, you know, what they both accomplished. But if you go back, I mean, a Buck Williams, a Lynn Elmore, you know, John Lucas, they, they all should be considered, you know, in terms of going into the Basketball Hall of Fame because they were, in their time, as good as anybody that was playing college basketball. So I, I think that's a relatively new Hall of Fame, the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And I think as, as more and more people uh, look at it, uh, certainly those guys will be considered. Yeah, hopefully. So the Mark Turgeon news, were you as surprised as most of us were? Oh, yeah, I, I think no, no one saw that coming. Uh, you know, it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought somebody was kidding me when they when they said that, you know, when I got the call. And yet uh, that did happen. And I'm, I was trying to remember, you know, I've seen coaches fired during the season. I've seen guys have to leave because of health issues. But I don't remember someone uh, resigning. Uh, before you played your first conference game, really, uh, in the basketball season. So there's always a skepticism when we hear about a coach, quote, stepping down, end quote, because we know that many times the coach isn't actually stepping down. He's actually being fired. Uh, That said, this situation with Mark Turgeon does seem to be a situation in which Turgeon actually stepped down, like he left more than he was fired. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I, you know, just being honest, I, I never heard anything about him being fired, you know, and, and like I said, that this they were picked 21st in the country and 5th or 6th in the Big Ten. Well, if you finish 5th or 6th in the Big Ten in a normal year, you're in the NCAA tournament. Plus, the you know, the, police, the preseason ranking helps you. I always like that to get ranked because, you know, you have the respect going into the season from everybody connected with basketball. You've referenced the timing of Mark Turgeon stepping down. What do you make of that timing just two days before Maryland's Big Ten opener? I mean, that is bizarre. Yeah, and, you know, you, you always, 
you know, I think that the thing that gets uh, glossed over sometimes is the the mentality with the team, with the players, that whole thing about, you know, you, you put in the time together, you know, we're going to work hard, we're going to try to be the best team we could possibly be representing the University of Maryland, all, all those things. And then, you, you you know, the players were as shocked as anyone. Uh, Danny Manning uh, publicly stated that he had no idea uh, that this was going to take place. And uh, it, it just... It's a tough situation, uh, and just just thinking about Danny Manning being the great player that he was uh, at Kansas, you know, he knows. Try to get these guys where they can play up to their level, and they're going to win some games. I mean, you, you can't you can't look at a Northwestern game that, that I put no value on that game because of the upheaval uh, that was caused when when uh, because of the resignation. But now he's got a week. Florida lost last night to Florida Southern. Uh, that's Maryland's next opponent. So let's go play. It's in the garden. Let's get excited again about uh, playing Maryland basketball. Yeah, and I do want to get your thoughts on Danny Manning as Maryland interim head coach. But just out of curiosity, have you talked with Mark Turgeon? Do you have an understanding of why he stepped down? No, no, I haven't talked to Mark uh, at all. And, uh, you know, it's a tough time for him. That, that's for sure. He, you know, he, he publicly talked about uh, – pressure on him his family and things like that and i understand that that you know those, those jobs they're tough jobs you know i i had uh Ohio state big you know big 10 big east at boston college and acc they're all tough jobs you know they they um and the internet has added to that too because if i was coaching today you know every every staff has one guy like a graduate assistant his job is to follow the internet uh what's on there uh, what the recruits are tweeting, you know, whatever. that That's his job day in and day out. He, do, he does all that stuff. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully you don't only hear about uh, the things that you need to know. Uh, but, you know, some guy some guy gets on there and, and says you're a lousy coach. So what? You know, <laughs> it's that, that's your opinion. But, you know, I've got to I've got to play, you know, Michigan next week. So I'm not worried about that. And that that's. That was all, but but you know, some people, you know, like Mark, it, it, it bothered him. It, it when things got negative, and uh, it obviously bothered his family. So, uh, what he did in his mind, he's really, you know, protecting his family, uh, doing what he can, you know, to feel better as a person. Do you think that the way that Mark Turgeon left as Maryland head coach, this abrupt resignation? will damage Mark's chances at future head coaching jobs or not necessarily? Not necessarily. It depends on the job. I mean, um, I think uh, if, if you expect him to get a big-time job, uh, you know, next year, no, no, no way. I mean, you know, AD shy away from, you know, controversy, whatever. And, and so I think it would affect that. But in terms of, a job, a mid-major job, uh, and then in a few years, if he was successful there, sure, he'd get back into it. He's not that old. So uh, hopefully things work out for him because, you know, he put 10 years in at Maryland, and this was his 11th year, and, you know, you, you, you want him um, to, to be comfortable, you know, with whatever he does in the future. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, it's hard to be the guy after the guy, uh, the idea being, that it's particularly difficult succeeding someone who's an all-time great. Uh, you know, I think about Bill Guthridge following Dean Smith as North Carolina head coach. Guthridge made two Final Fours in three years and still took a lot of criticism. I know that you kept your distance in order to allow Mark Turgeon 
to run the program his way. But did Mark ever talk to you about following you, about the pressure, the spotlight, the criticism? Yeah, we we, uh, we saw each other. We, we talked, you know, uh, several times. But, you know, I stayed away just because of what you said. It's, it, it is hard. Um, and... It, it's never easy, but at the same time, after ten years, you know, you you, in my mind, you you got through that period of following somebody that won some games, you know, and you know now this is your program. Uh, after ten years, I mean, how, how how long are you the guy that follows the guy? You know, it, it, that doesn't last forever. You know, it's it, it becomes your program, and you know, Mark, Mark has you know brought his players in, uh, his coaches. You know, they won the they run the program the way they see fit, and uh, I think uh, you know you get through those first few years. Um, it's your program. You know, I think about you and the famous night, Valentine's Night, two thousand one. A loss to Florida State at Cole Fieldhouse. You get booed at Cole Fieldhouse after the game, and then you and the team end up rallying to make the Final Four that season and then make the Final Four again the next season and win a national championship. How did you deal with things like booing and criticism and people yelling all kinds of things at you? Not well. <laughs> yeah, I remember walking off the court that night uh, the people that remember Cole Fieldhouse, that tunnel at the end where you go back to the locker rooms, some guy was hanging over right there, like probably nine feet above me. And the guy kept yelling, he says, Williams, you know, you're an NIT coach and that's where you're going this year. And I wish I got his name and number, you know, when we got to the <laughs> final four, but, but that, that's me, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, everybody's wired different. I just, you know, that's motivation to me. You know, when people do that, they, they don't know what's going on in the program. They don't know who's been hurt, you know, things like that. And we went through a stretch there where we just didn't play well, you know, and we had, we're playing in the ACC. Those teams were all good. Even Florida State was a good team, even though their record wasn't that good. So, you know, you, you try to keep your uh, head on straight and all you can do is you come into practice the next day and you get ready to go because you. we were good that year before we hit that stretch, and I knew we could get it back. It was just how we did it. But I'll tell you what, once you uh, once you hit that slide in a good lick, like the Big Ten or the ACC, it's a slippery slope because you lose just that edge, that confidence, whatever, whatever that is uh, you lose. It's really hard to get that back. And I was really proud of that year. That's probably – uh, one of the things I think about once in a while is how we got it back and you know, were able to get to the Final Four that year. It's one of the great in-season turnarounds that we'll ever see. And I know that I'll never forget that season. That was my senior year at Maryland. So in terms of Maryland's interim head coach, Danny Manning, uh, obviously he's not a newbie. He has been a head coach. Uh, he was a head coach at Wake Forest. He was a head coach at Tulsa. What do you think that Maryland has in Danny Manning and what do you make of this opportunity that Danny Manning now has as Terps interim head coach? Well, they, they have an experienced coach. Like you said, Tulsa, uh, Wake Forest are two pretty good jobs. And, uh, you know, he didn't have success at Wake, but I always thought Wake was the toughest job in, in that uh, tobacco road deal, of those four teams down there. And, um, you know, he, he didn't win enough games to you know, to keep his job there. Now at Maryland, uh, you know, somebody would have to talk to Danny Manning. What if he wants to be a head coach? Just a great opportunity, you know, to win there and win. And you know, he's got a week this week uh, to get ready to play. Uh, he's got a great uh, showcase 
up in Man- up in uh, New York um, next Sunday. And so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, he he's he's got control of a team that was picked for or six, as we said in, in the uh, Big Ten. And now it's, it's his team, you know, and, you know, I'm sure they've had a lot of discussions, a lot of talk about moving forward, about goals that are still reachable this year. All the positive things you can talk about right now, because kids are kids. You, you know, when, when you're 18 to 22 years and something like this happens, you're, you feel devastated the day of. But as time goes by, it quickly changes to, OK, how good can we be? You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to play differently? Are we going to play the same way? All those things come into players' minds, and so hopefully Danny will take advantage of that, because I, I just think for, for Maryland and for the for the players, you know, the fans too, let, let's let's have a good year. Why, why can't we have a good year? You know, we're, we're like, you know, you, you picked above middle in the conference, you're picked in the top 25, so let's have a good year. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the season is just beginning. That's part of why Mark Turgeon stepping down when he did was such a shocker. Uh, in terms of the actual Maryland team this season, the players, uh, so the record is 5-4. and four. A lot of the wins have been close. Uh, the three-point shooting has been really bad. There are a good number of new pieces, so guys are getting used to playing with each other. What has stood out to you in watching this Maryland basketball team this season? Well, I think that's a good point. Uh, for the future, this is college basketball until the rules change again. Uh, that transfer portal, they're going to lose guys probably that you know didn't get to play as much as they like to their first year. And you're going to get guys that are they're coming out. And I think that's a key uh, element of recruiting is to get guys that can fit with the players that you still have coming back because there is a transition there, especially if the guy leaves after playing two or three years in, in your program. The, the new guy coming in, no matter how good he he plays won't have the same uh, smoothness in terms of getting ready for games or you know preseason practice, all those things. So it, it becomes the the uh, the fact that uh, teams can now practice in the summertime. I think becomes more important because you get these guys in a transfer portal. Okay, come on in and play. But you played under a coach for three years. He expects you to do this defensively or offensively, and now you're telling them something different. Well, that takes time to get that in, and, and so. That's the thing I think you see in Maryland a little bit this year. That it was just not coordinated, you know, in terms of, of players so far. The shot selection, I think, if you look at it, has been shaky. In other words, those guys aren't a 25% three-point shooting team. They've just taken some shots that probably not many players can make. And all of a sudden, your shooting percentage goes down. Your confidence starts to go. And here we are. You know, we're struggling from the three-point line. But once again, this is a chance for Danny the man to come in and say, I don't care what our percentage is. This is how we're going to play when you're open. I expect you to make it. All, all those, these things that you can talk about as a coach to get positive reinforcement to your players because players want to win. They want to look good. They want to score. You know, they, they, there's nothing you have to do to try to convince them. You know, they, they want to be good too. Well, I want to be good as a coach. So I, I would think Danny Manning uh, is having a good week. I, I really do. And I hope he is. I hope he's enjoying it. And I hope the players are enjoying it because they can get back to basketball. You know, they all had to answer a ton of questions. Why did Mark Turgeon leave? Why, why all this? And now it's basketball time. So let's go play. As I'm sure you know, there are those who have suggested that you should come out of retirement and be Maryland's head coach again. 
If for whatever reason things do not work out with Danny Manning, and maybe he just decides that he doesn't want to continue on as Maryland's head coach, would you have interest in being Maryland's head coach again? Uh, you know, Dan, Danny's going to do a good job in a tough situation. There's no doubt about it. I, you know, I don't know how. I, you know, I would have given it some thought. I'm sure, but uh, realistically, you know, I haven't done it. You forget about the tough things. You know, the uh, you know when you can't sleep because you had a bad practice and all, all those things that they get involved. And you know, I'm, I'm, I had, you know, I was very fortunate to coach 22 years at Maryland and I think 43 overall, counting a couple of years as a high school coach. So. Uh, you know, I had my turn, and um, I, I think it's it's great that Danny's in there as the interim coach. He's got a chance to prove himself, that's for sure, and, you know, go from there. Yeah, well, we are certainly rooting for Danny Manning, rooting for the team, rooting for the program. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's great to get your perspective on all of this. Obviously, it has been a very strange last few days, and happy holidays and all the best to you. You too, Al. Always uh, glad to uh, get a chance to speak with you. All right. Great to talk Mark Turgeon and Maryland basketball with Gary Williams. Speaking of college hoops, how about Virginia on Tuesday night? A rough night for Wahoo uh, The Cavaliers fell to 6-4 and four with a 52-49 loss at James Madison. Yeah. Virginia lost at James Madison. This is a second shocking loss in 10 games for Virginia this season. The Cavs began their season with that stunning 66-58 loss to Navy at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville on November 9th. Uh, This win on Tuesday night marked James Madison's first ever win over an active ACC team and was JMU's first win over a Power 5 conference team Since December 2001, it had been 20 years since James Madison beat a Power 5 team until this victory over Virginia on Tuesday night. The game also marked the first game for James Madison in which no JMU players scored in double figures since November 2009. So it's not like James Madison had some player who caught fire on Tuesday night. Not a single JMU player scored in double figures, and that had not happened in well over a decade. Uh, This loss was something else. Also, UVA lost in James Madison, won despite JMU going just 4 of 11 on free throws. I mean, this was not some dominant performance by James Madison, but this was a winning performance. Uh, The Wahoos actually began the game on a 10-2 run, but that allowed James Madison to go on a 22-1 run for a 13-point lead at 24-11 late in the first half. The Hoos did take the lead multiple times in the second half. That the Hoos did win 35-28, but to call Molson connected on two big buckets in the paint over the final 71 seconds to give James Madison the win. Ultimately, the problem for the Cavs was that they were horrendous offensively in the first half. The Cavs in the first half scored 14 points. That's a problem. The score at the half was James Madison 24, Virginia 14. And the big issue for Virginia offensively is the three-point shooting. The Cavs in the first half went just one of 14 on threes. The Cavs for the game went just four of 26 on threes. UVA through 10 games this season is shooting just 30.2% on threes. Uh, The Indiana transfer, Armand Franklin, 
0-6 on threes in 25 minutes as a starter. Tane Murray, a true freshman from New Zealand, 0-4 on threes in 12 minutes off the bench. Here was Virginia head coach Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night. We played certainly well enough defensively to win this game. There's no question. And, and again, they, they did make some tough shots. Even before, I, I want to say this. Um, college basketball, what an atmosphere. What a beautiful arena. So whoever donated and built this, this was, this was a great college basketball arena. The fans were great, minus a few of them, some of the things I heard, but that's all part of it. Uh, um, and Mark's done a really good job. This is a good team. Um, he, he's built it. And, and I want to compliment you know, this. I, I came from Green Bay, a mid-major, whatever you say, and there's so much parity. And I always hope that you know, we get to play some of the power fives, and that's irrelevant. And I never got to. And I, I learned from my father when he took the Wisconsin job, he'd go play. Green, uh, they'd play Green Bay, Milwaukee, those schools. Well, I think that's important. A lot of teams won't come in here and play it. That's their philosophy. This is a good team. This is a good college basketball atmosphere, beautiful building in a tough environment, but good for our guys. So I, I, uh, I, it's things to lose, um, but our guys battled in the second half. We did bother shots for the most part. Certainly had some flaws here and there. I mean, that shows, but um, a better second half, and we just keep working towards improvement and prepare us for our conference. Yeah, I do give Virginia credit for playing this game. This game was played at James Madison. Uh, this game was played in Harrisonburg, Virginia, not in Charlottesville, Virginia. Not many Power 5 conference teams would do that, play a game at a James Madison. Virginia did do that, so I do credit the Wahoos, but uh, Virginia got got on Tuesday night. Next up for the Cavs, home to Fairleigh Dickinson, Saturday afternoon, December 18th at 2. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 204, will feature a ton on the Washington football team off it on Wednesday, beginning the team's practice week for the big game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. We'll have a lot to go through with injuries, especially regarding guys like Montez Sweat, Landon Collins, J.D. McKissick, Tyler Larson, and Wes Schweitzer. Maybe we'll find out more about Logan Thomas. We'll have Ron Rivera's and Taylor Heineke's post-practice press conferences to go through as well. Also, a post-game Wednesday night's game for the struggling Wizards. Uh, the Wiz are just 4-8 and eight since their 10-3 and three start to the season, or in the midst of their first three-game losing streak of the season. They'll be at the Detroit Pistons Wednesday night at 7. Also on Wednesday night, we'll have Georgetown and Virginia Tech playing. The Hoyas will host UMBC at 8.30. The Hokies will host Cornell at 9. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Please give Dan and Tanya my best, and all the best to you. (laughs) I tell you what, if you don't subscribe to the Al Galdi podcast, you guys, you absolutely... You're depriving yourself. You know what you should want for Christmas? Just to subscribe to Al Galdi's podcast. Do that for me. Do that for the DOC.